Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Energy Extra Time. I am Cameron Monstow. I am joined today with my fantastic co-host Sean McGill. How are you today, mate? I'm not bad. That's a bit strange hearing someone else introduce yes, this show. It's 13 People times. People have cut out already. They've, they're here to see they you. Pro- and they probably <laughs> have. They probably have. But apart from that, I'm pretty good. I've got my hair cut today, which is exciting, obviously, yes, since that's now allowed in Scotland. I was just about to ask you that. Um, I was just about to ask you how to go. I feel like a new man. It's strange. My mask kept falling down as I was talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but aye, it's, it was nice and easy, and it all seemed very safe. Yes, and I don't have a massive helmet here anymore, so <laughs> yeah, I have seen that. It looks lovely. It looks Thank you lovely. so much. I do appreciate that. Is there any like, awkward chatter that, or is it dead silence? I'm never, I'm never awkward with anyone, pal. Um, could start a conversation in an empty room. So I know my barber's lovely, um, and yeah, the mask doesn't mean you can't always hear stuff because um, mm, I guess you're talking yeah. behind a mask. But overall, it was a, a lovely experience. It is awkward at work. People come up to me and ask me, like, I don't have to wear one because um, I have a respiratory issue, but people right. come up to me and I cannot hear them. Yeah. It's really awkward having, especially older people and stuff. It is, it's really, yeah. hopefully it's all just end soon. A couple so of times I, I caught myself just like not really hearing, just like smiling, but also you can't actually you can't see that. Yeah, the mask, yeah. so. It's really awkward. It's a struggle. <laughs> yes. Well, will we get started? I guess so. Right. First off, the gift that keeps on giving. The legal battle between the SPFL and relegated duo Heart of Midlovian and Partick Thistle has been taken to another level. Hearts and Partick say they are incredulous that they have received a notice of complaint from the SFA for taking the SPFL to court after they were demoted from their respective divisions without playing the entirety of the league season. So, can you figure out exactly what's going on here? Um, big fan of the word incredulous, first off. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, a good one to chuck in from the respective parties. I, I, it does just seem ridiculous to me that I don't know how this has come about or what is written in the sort of constitution that means this can come about but on, on the first glance the SFA charging clubs for taking legal action against the SPFL seems like a ridiculous notion it seems well how can we in the in the pursuit of fairness how can you be charged for taking legal action if you feel that like you've been done wrong because Surely the legal action will determine whether who's in the right, who's in the wrong. We don't need these this extra disciplinary. I don't understand that it. it does seem ridiculous, as I said. Um, and like Harps and Part of this was said in their joint statement, they've got other things to focus on just now. Yeah. They're caught up in all this uh, this mess, this arbitration of trying to make sure that they've got a way forward and they can um, receive the compensation they feel that they deserve for um, being rele- relegated without the conclusion of the season. So... I think Hearts and Partick Thistle on the right on this one. I don't think they have been throughout. I don't think they've everything's been handled perfectly. But I think this just adds another layer to the entire farce that has gone on since uh, the end of the season and, and the votes and everything that came out of that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I've got it here. The actual Article Ninety Nine states: A member, an associated person, and/or the Scottish FA shall not take the Scottish FA dispute to a court of law except with the prior approval of the board. Surely Hearts and Party just looked at that and thought, well, what if he's just say no? Then that's us relegated. Like They must assume maybe they'll go on their side. Maybe they just didn't know. I'm not sure. But it does seem it seems like a ridiculous added layer to this. It seems like the SFA are just sort of... I'm, I'm hoping they're just doing this because they have to. And it's not like some sort of time-wasting tactic or anything or something to delay Hearts and Partick. Um, it, it's all just a bit up in there just now. Um but yeah, they've asked for it to be pushed back. Um, we know that it can be a cash fine. There's also the possibility of expulsion from the league. It shouldn't come to that, should it? I mean, you don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that would just really send this thing beyond the craziness that we've already uh, had to endure. But 
Yeah, I, I mean, the dispute's between the SPFL and Hearts and part of this, isn't it? So I don't know why mm-hmm. it's even a, an issue for the SFA. Um, obviously, it's there in writing. And yeah, like Hearts and Partners probably did, did just think um, we feel like we've been uh, mistreated here and we're going to pursue justice in their eyes. So it makes sense to just go for it and what they believe in and yeah, hopefully it gets drawn to some sort of conclusion soon because as entertaining as this has been, mm. um, yeah, it is really dragging on now. Yeah, it's getting towards the new season, of course. Well, some better news for Hearts. Um, we've seen the comeback of Jim Jeffries as an advisor to the club. Also, you mentioned it before we started. It seems like they're sort of scrapping the sporting director idea for the time being, at least. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I don't think... F- first and foremost, I think it's fantastic to see um, Jim Jeffries in a role after his health scare last year it's good to see that he's fit enough um, and well enough to be taking up a role um, like he is as advisor to the board of directors at Hearts and he's obviously a man who knows Hearts very well former manager, former player I do think it's another indicator that Hearts are being are just in a bit of a mess at the moment because we were told a sporting director is a massive priority it's been dragging on for ages and ages and ages we said, they said a sports director would be appointed before they appoint the new manager, then they appoint the new manager out of nowhere, but it was still a case of he'll now have a say in who the sports director is. And now it's we're not focusing on sports director right now. And I understand Hearts have had to adapt to a very different situation, but I do just think there's been a lack of contingency and a lack of sort of forward planning from Hearts throughout this sort of scenario. And I don't think it reflects too well on themselves and the club. But how do you feel about it? You're, a, you're the Hearts fan. Well, any... Anything that gets Jim Jeffries back to the club's a huge bonus. You know, he, he's a Hearts legend through and through, Hearts man through and through. Every, I don't think there's a single Hearts fan that's a bad thing to say about him. So it'll be welcomed in with open arms, really. It'll be a, some would maybe say, a, like a, a cheap option. I'm not sure if it's like a paid job or a part time, whatever, but um, certainly it's someone who wants to help the club. He'll give 100% no matter what's going on in his life right now. So really good to have him back, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and he, was, he was a great. He had a great team at Kilmarnock as well. I've got four memories of Jim mm-hmm. Jeffries growing up, yeah. and then he was a, a good Hearts manager for Kilmarnock. We had quite a few successes at <laughs> Tincastle over that time, and he, he seems like a great guy. And as I said, um, his health would be the most important thing. The fact that he's doing well enough to take that job is great. I just it's not an issue with Jim Jeffries being given a role at Hearts. I just think it's yeah. the way that they've handled and sort of backtracked and changed their mind on so many different decisions. And a decision that we were told was really, really important for months and months by the club is yeah. where I have some issue. No, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, apart from that, things aren't looking too hot for Hearts right now, but across the capital, Hibernian are building towards a European push in Jack Ross's first full season in charge. Striker Kevin Nisbet, winger Dre Wright and midfielder Alex Gogic all joined the club. Sean, you wrote a piece for this on All Out Football, which can be found easily on your Twitter. Um, what are your thoughts on all the deals? Um... Thanks for the wee plug there, I appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, like I said in the piece, I think um, overall it's pr- a pretty good sort of day of transfer business for Hibs. Um, if you sort of look at them individually, Dre White is a, v- right, sorry, is a very competent um, Scottish Premiership winner. His productivity isn't great, no goals and one assist in the league last year. But I think he has had his injury problems and I think in a, maybe a, a better team in Hibs, which I think even though they finished below St Johnson last year, we'd say overall it's a more talented squad. He might push on and he gives good depth to Alan and Boyle. 
Nisbet has scored goals wherever he's been, whether it be Wraith or Dunfermline. He's still young, they've got him for a lower price than they did, um, that they bid for him in January. So overall, I think that's a fantastic signing, could form a really good partnership with Dodge and Gogic is the really interesting one. I think, as I've said before in the first episode of this show, I said Alex Gogic would be a really good signing for Hibs. And um, I still think that is largely the case, but he will have to prove himself technically in a Jack Ross side that is very focused on possession and quick and entertaining play because um, at Hamilton, obviously, he doesn't see... He didn't see much of the ball. Hamilton had the least amount of possession in the Premiership last year. So he's great at those recovery tackles. He's great at screening the back four. He's great at getting stuck in. And that's exactly what that Hibs midfield means. But he has to be more than that to be a real, real success at Easter Road. Yeah, I think three top signings. Kevin Lisbell says he's done it at Championship level. He can As long as he carries out into the Premiership. It's good to see as well. He said they took a pay cut given what's going on right now, it wouldn't be right to sign for a pay cut as good of him. And um, it means that they can sort of let go of Canberry for sure. He obviously had no way back into the team whatsoever, but now at least Hibs fans can be reassured that they do have his replacement, it seems. Not the not the exact same kind of player, but no. definitely offer, offers just as much as he will. Um, and we'll see what happens with Canberry as well. I've not heard anything on that, have you? Uh, no, I've seen a lot of Hibs dads complain about him <laughs> um, on Twitter. I don't, I can't see. I mean, stranger things have happened, but it would be very, um, it's hard to picture him running out in a yeah. in a Hibs jersey anytime soon after those comments when he moved to Rangers on loan. Um, but when I was thinking about Nisbet, I was like, I don't, I didn't think that that's necessarily what Hibs needed because you think Doyle just had such a great first season, but with. Cam Berry's career seemingly dead in the water and um, Mark McNulty going back to his parent club Reading uh, after his second loan spell it actually did become apparent that they needed a second striker and also Jack Ross did enjoy using a back three last year so it might make sense for them to have two striking options so yeah overall good business I still think Hibs need to do uh, make additions defensively but uh, yeah they'll certainly be happy with those additions at Easter Road yeah, a lot of work to do, but a real um, there's a real hope for them to get into Europe next year for sure. Um, I guess we'll move down south. Not too much happening in Scotland, so we'll go down there. Um, we'll start at the top. Liverpool's hope for a hundred percent record at home this season was ruined by Sean Dyche's Burnley. Nick Pope was the hero for the visitors as the game ended one-one. Other records are still to be broken, however. The chance to beat Man City's one hundred points is a real possibility. Do you think it can still be done? Um, I'm gonna go with no. Uh, I like how the Scottish section start with Hearts and this section start with Liverpool, so that's very good. This is uh, not biased at all. No, def- don't don't de- even say that. Definitely not. not at all. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think Liverpool will do it, and it's just because of the sort of... Uh, well, partly because of the difficulty of their fixtures. Um, Arsenal uh, are their next opponents, that will be at the Eminence, and then Chelsea come to Anfield, and then they go to Newcastle on the last day of the season. Uh, those f- first two games are obviously pretty tough, Arsenal began to bounce back from that derby defeat against Spurs and Chelsea still in the hunt for top four as we saw last night when they, they beat Norwich and they've got a good record against the big sides they've beat City, they've beat Spurs um, they've beat Arsenal this season so I don't know, I can see Liverpool slip up again because it's hard after the intensity they've put in over the course of this season uh, you can understand that when they do have the title wrapped up they they would slip off a bit and to be honest they've slipped off since the turn of the year really um, 
So no, I don't think they'll beat the points. I still think they should be remembered as one of the the great Premier League teams, um, especially if you consider what they did last season. If you had those points tallied together, it's pretty spectacular. But I do think uh, come the end of the season, Man City will still be the Premier League records uh, points holders. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're saying they're Chelsea and like Newcastle as well. I've beaten a few big teams this season. I think they've beaten yeah, United, they've beaten City. A few big results, a few good draws as well. Beat Tottenham. Um, and they're on, they're on ninety three points right now. To beat the record, they have to win all three games. They can't draw one of them. That would only equal the record. If yeah. they lose or draw two, that's it over. Um, yeah, a really really tough tough running for them. So we'll see. It would be amazing, but I agree. They'll they'll still be one of the greatest teams probably like history will be remembered for this as well it'll be so memorable in the future and that's what really matters um moving down the table to man city their second place um two five nil victories over newcastle and brighton preceded the announcement of the citizens uefa champions league ban being overturned guardiola said this is good for football others disagree what are your thoughts on the matter um, expected. I think I've said it on this before as well that I did think City would wouldn't be banned from the Champions League. Uh, it's hard to know because obviously it's quite a complex legal situation, and that's not particularly my area of expertise. But we're still waiting on um, Cassie's reasonings for this. They're still to publish those, I believe, and the Premier League are waiting to see those reasons as well because um, the Premier League as an institution is investigating City for. Um, mishandling of finances or however you want to word that so they'll be interested to see if they think that there's a chink in Cassie's reasoning or somewhere that they could still exploit um, exploit's maybe the wrong word but um, sort of attack or uh, use for their own legal battle then the Premier League will be keen to do that if they think that Cassie's reasonings are comprehensive then I imagine they'd drop their pursuit of City I think the big thing to come out of this forgetting City are going to play Champions League football that's important uh, Guardiola was probably going to stay anyway it means that transfer dealings should be the same at the Etihad I don't think people want to leave I don't think people will be encouraged from joining them now but it's just what does this say about financial fair play as a concept um, as a whole it just seems dead in the water to me I don't know about you well yeah that was my next question where I did have a follow up for this one is one does it make UEFA look weak themselves that what they're doing with financial fair play it just doesn't work does it make any organization fifa cast does it make all of them just look stupid that they they can't uphold like why why give out this ban in the first place that was my thinking why give them a massive two-year ban big financial fines and then drop it to just 10 million euros and that's it um mm. i think it makes them look really really weak and um it's it does it ruins the integrity financial fair play what was left of it we should say maybe um I, I, I don't mind seeing City in the Champions League. I think they deserve it. If they've not actually broken any rules, then why should they be um, Why should they be not allowed to play in the competition? But it does. It ruins the integrity financial fair play. I think it all needs, I'm sure you'd agree, just ripped up and started again, really. Um, and it, give everyone who's currently in a deal, give them immunity, whatever. Say from this point on, these are the rules. You don't stick to them. Major sanctions coming your way, and I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I, don't, I mean... I don't want to just there to be sort of uh, un unfiltered spending in football. I don't like that notion that you can just keep ploughing and ploughing and ploughing. But also, teams shouldn't be discouraged from growing. I mean, there's no reason that anyone should want to buy a Manchester City and plough loads of money in because 
if that's an ambition, that's an ambition. I know Gary Neville's been very outspoken about this and people believe it's to do with the fact that he'd love to put more money into Salford City, but he can't because of you have to make sure you've got enough going out in terms of going in. Um, I think more needs to be done to make sure prospective owners are vetted and they're legitimate and they're honest in their intentions, as we've seen in uh, the case of Wigan recently, who we might get on to later for much more positive reasons. But I think... Financial for play makes it hard for teams to break through that glass ceiling, it, and it was meant to sort of stop the elite from becoming more elite. But I think it's stopped those outside of the elite ever being able to join the elite. Um, so yeah, it was the brainchild of Misha Platini who has uh, now left the corporation in a quite a disgraced manner. So I think it definitely needs rethinking, or as you said, maybe just give it a buy. Mm. Definitely, definitely, and we will we will come on to um, fair play in Wigan later on for sure. Um, with City now now to play in the next Champions League, um, the race for the top five becomes a race for the top four. Chelsea have two tough games to play. They um, obviously played last night and won one 0 against Norwich. Uh, while Leicester and Man United, two teams completely different forms, um, will play each other on the final day. Who do you think will miss out on the top four, Sean? Oh, big question. Big um, question. It's hard to see past Leicester falling out just because mm-hmm. of this horrendous. Seen their fixtures. Slump. Their next two games. Yes. Uh, who? Sorry. Who's the? Who have they got before the United game? They've got Sheffield United, United at yeah. home and Tottenham away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really going to be tough, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, none of them really have easy games. None of the three that you've mentioned there, and obviously that will be a massive. Uh, Game in the last eight season, Chelsea have to go to or they they play Wolves. I'm not 100 sure of. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, they're at home to Wolves. Home yeah. to Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no sort of easy fixtures on that last day. It'll definitely be exciting. Uh, yeah, but I just think that there seems to be something that sort of um, got into the core of this Leicester team that's just not working at the moment. They seem to have completely chucked it, and. Yeah, the form United are in, Chelsea look pretty good. I know they're not being fantastic. Obviously, they um, lost to Sheffield United the weekend, but United would be my favourites, I think. And, yeah, I'll say Chelsea. Yeah, I'm with you there. Absolutely with you. Um, moving down just a little bit lower in the league, Leicester, obviously, we are saying, probably going to finish fifth, but they, they could fall even further. Uh, there's five teams hot on their tails, maybe not... Teams like Burnley, Arsenal and Spurs, they're a little bit behind, but Wolves and Sheffield United definitely still have a chance, so there's a real push for 5th, 6th and 7th spot, there's 6 teams up for grabs, um, but is, is this maybe a good thing that we're seeing teams like Burnley, Wolves, Sheffield United, Leicester, sort of taking on teams like Spurs and Arsenal for European football? Is this maybe a good thing for the future and getting smaller clubs to really challenge for Champions League football in the next 5-10 years maybe? Absolutely, yeah. Um it's much more enjoyable to watch. It's um, no, I don't think anyone apart from fans of those clubs enjoy seeing the same teams go round and round in the top six, just swapping order. So I think this is definitely a positive thing, and I think it's um, it shows the power of good coaching. Despite Leicester falling off in re- recent weeks, was the impact that Brendan Rodgers has had there overall has been massively positive. Chris Wilder, um, in my eyes, is manager of the year. Um, the job he's done. I mean, they were in League One a matter of years ago, and they've just came in with this different brand of football, and really, really impressed the entire league. 
and Wolves as well have done. I know they've got maybe a bit more money behind them, but it's still a very rigid tactical system. It's a very dedicated squad, and it's just full of talented players with a really good head coach. So it's 100% a positive thing. Yeah, definitely couldn't agree more. It's good to see other teams getting in and about there and taking on the big guns. Um, we'll jump all the way down now to the relegation battle. Aston Villa and Bournemouth are still in the bottom three, with Brighton, Watford and West Ham sitting just above the drop zone. Bournemouth thrashed Leicester 4-1 to keep their survival hopes alive. Can Eddie Howe's men keep this going? Do they have any chance of scraping their way out of this? Uh, possibly. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Friday night's game between uh, Watford and West Ham. Because mm. that's yeah. obviously as but I think the one who wins that could consider themselves safe, and yeah. um, the other one might not be able to. Yeah, I think statistic. I think yeah, I think whoever wins that will be actually safe. Not a case like oh, might win another game. They'll be mathematically. Oh safe. right, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Bournemouth don't have. I mean, they have City tomorrow, so that's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> But after that, Southampton and Everton, so both winnable games, um, even though maybe not your ideal fixtures, um, I, I still see them going down. I think Villa might have more chance of pulling out. I just, I think um, Sunday night's result against Leicester was a bit of a, a freak incident. Leicester were really controlling that game. And then Kasper Schmeichel uh, kicking that ball off his centre-half's back just completely changed, uh, turned the game on its head. Um, and it's funny, f- football does that. But uh, they're, yeah, as I said, Villa, I think, could maybe pull themselves out of it. But Bournemouth, I would say they're, they're going to really struggle. Yeah, Villa is a weird one. I've been saying for the last few weeks on the show that I still think that they could get out of it, that they're, they're definitely going to fight back. I didn't see much from West Ham or Watford. But um, now they're four points off with three games to go. And even I'm starting to think, oh, maybe maybe they will go down. Um do you think? Do you think definitely it'll be Bournemouth and Villa? I don't know because what would what would actually be say Watford win um, on Friday and they're safe, then Villa West Ham is the last day of the season, so mm. that would be if if there was still a, a scenario where that was some sort of playoff, um, to see who goes down that would be really really exciting. Uh, West Ham have stepped up a wee bit. Uh, Jared Bourne looks good, Mikel Antonio obviously scoring four goals, the first player in West Ham's Premier League history to score four goals in a, in a game. Um, I do probably think it'll be Villa and Bournemouth at this point. I was like you, I did think there was a chance it'd sneak out of it, but uh, yeah, if you had to ask me, I think it'll stay the same as it is just now. Lovely. Well, moving to a team that has been relegated, as you said, their Mikel Antonio scored four goals, they scored against this team, Norwich. They are down. Um, Really, just what went wrong for them? Uh, I know we've spoken about this a little bit in the past, but was it just was it the tactics? Do you think it was morale? Was it just maybe too inexperienced? What were your thoughts on that? Sometimes when you're talking about football, it's really easy to just to sort of overcomplicate it and really dissect tactics and dis- dissect morale and stuff like that you've said. But this Norwich they just couldn't defend. I think was the sort of the crux of the the issue. They played really nice football. To be fair, they didn't score enough goals either. The fact that even though they were a very attacking team and um, they've got great attacking players at their disposal, like we've said, Buendia, Puki, Cantwell, um, the likes. But, yeah, if defensively, if you can't concede... They've conceded the most goals in the Premier League. 
and that's an almost surefire way to get yourself relegated. Uh, I think they'll do alright in the Championship next year. Uh, I think they'll keep Daniel Farka and his lovely voice. <laughs> and yeah, it's a good club with a good fan base and a good plan. But yeah, defensive reinforcements in the summer. Yeah, no, they have signed um, two or three players already, I think, that are coming in when the season's over. But um, we'll see how many players they can hold on to. Maybe they'll get some money off it and be able to put that back in the transfer budget, get some new players in for the championship. Definitely thinking maybe a mid, mid-table finish for them next season. I don't see them coming back up, really, but I don't see them going straight back down two divisions either. Um, well, that is it for Scotland and England. We're going to move on to... Oh, in fact, no, sorry. I'm mistaken. One other game we're going to talk about, before we forget. Um, the eight-goal thumping that was Wigan versus Hull. I don't understand how a team in administration facing a 12-point deduction can thrash another team in the same league. Like, What does that say about the state of the English Football League right now? Um, I think it says that Hull aren't very good. And I think <laughs> the league table will tell you that considering they're second from bottom. Uh, it, it shows great, um, a, a great fighting attitude and spirit from this Wigan side who aren't going to be or are determined not to be uh, relegated on a technicality and relegated of th- because of things out of their control. Uh, Paul Cook's done a great job with them. Uh, I think it was Mick McCarthy on um, Sky Sports Comms last night saying that he uh, he was talking to Paul Cook and he when he got that phone call he was actually thinking he was going to get offered uh, a contract extension because Wigan had just won six games in a row. Mm. And the phone call he was actually receiving was the club's in administration we could be getting deducted 12 points. It's really scary. Uh, it's terrifying, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, seven seven goals up at half time. It was just crazy. Like watching that fly in last night. Ah, um, was talking about it in a group chat, and someone went, "I was like, that's mad, isn't it?" Like without saying anything, someone went, "Oh yeah, it's four 0 Wigan, isn't it?" I was like, "No, it's seven 0 now." And I think like it was like they were checking the results on Google, and it still hadn't registered yet because they scored <laughs> three goals in like five minutes or something crazy like that. I think it was yeah five. Five goals in twenty minutes or something like that. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, you'd absolutely love to see Wigan stay up. It's sort of reminiscent of the fact that those seasons under Roberto Martinez, when they would just never go down until hmm. they eventually did, but they also won the FA Cup. So I've always kind of had that wee soft spot for Wigan from yeah. then. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see them pull off another great I'm, escape. I, I am certain I have a Wigan kit from when they first came up to the Premier League, like the JGB kit. I am certain I have that line about. Someone. Why they were just like they're just sort of like that sort of team. Eh? You just everyone kind of liked them. They were a lovable little team. Um, so it's good to see. You know, you said you already mentioned that a fantastic spirit from the players who uh, things out of their control, but they want this club to stay up and dedicated to the team. And, and no matter how bad the team is, because Hull are clearly the championship equivalent of Norwich in terms of defending. But because some of that defending was disgraceful. Yeah. But um, felt so sorry for the goalkeeper who I suppose didn't do much better. But yeah, it's brilliant to see that. Did you also notice, I thought it was really funny, did you notice how late the sound was for all the goal celebrations? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's got better over the, the course, but it's still those moments where uh, it just doesn't quite work and it does take you out of it a bit and remind you of the sort of weird time that we're in. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I saw this tweet as well that said, um, to be fair, Hull did come back from 6-0 down at halftime against Wigan last season. But that was in rugby league. Yeah. So, 
which is just mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, I would have loved to see that comeback, to be fair, even if they got beat, you know, like 7-4 or something. But Yeah, great laugh. Yeah, that's always yeah. rubbish. It's, it happened with Leicester at Southampton earlier this season. When You know whenever it's 5-0 or 4-0 or something crazy like that at halftime, it always ends up just being like 5-1 or 6-0. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Leicester obviously went for the kill in that one, and it's a shame that we didn't see this yet, because it's 7-0 at halftime. Imagine if we'd, <laughs> we'd hit double figures. Oh, exceptional. I remember um, Hearts Cowden beef 10-0. And it's really funny at the time, and then like the next day you wake up and kind of go, I actually feel quite bad for them. <laughs> like we were yeah. like, we were a team paying like for probably thousands of pounds a week, hundred pounds a week for our players, and they were just part timers. And there's like thirty thousand fans like celebrating that, or twenty thousand fans celebrating beating a part time team ten now. It's a bit of a shame, but hey, it's funny. It's, it's quite good, funny. It's a good laugh. It's a good laugh. <laughs> right, we will now move on to Europe. Um, our last topic before we get into our games of the week is the draw for both the Champions League and the Europa League. We will go into more depth on this as the domestic campaigns are wrapped up when these little mini tournaments are set to kick off. But for now, we'll just take a sort of quick approach to um, just sort of quickly go through the fixtures and whatnot. Um, first, there's a sort of lighter side to the Champions League draw. Um, it sees the electrifying RB Leipzig take on the conservative Atletico Madrid, while two of Europe's highest scoring teams in Atalanta and Paris Saint-Germain will also face off against each other. None of these four clubs have ever won the Champions League, but one will definitely make the final. Who has the best chance here, Sean? Well, we have to do my, my working out there to figure out who would be the semis. And, uh, I don't know, it's so hard. There's four very different um, teams and very exciting teams in their own respects um, I would love it to be Atalanta I think they're the story of Europe this year uh, or over the last couple of years it's, a, it's their debut Champions League season and the fact that they're in a quarter final uh, the fact that they're in the lighter side of the draw as you said and the fact that they've scored an absolutely ridiculous amount of goals this year uh, mm. 116 goals in 43 games is absolutely insane a, a 6-2 win at the weekend as well to lift them to second in the Serie A table so they're no joke I mean we've been saying it's been a great season for the likes of Lazio and Inter Milan and after the, since the restart they've fallen off whereas Atalanta um, which I believe Bergamo's been one of the worst hit regions in the world in terms of COVID-19 um, so it's obviously been a, a hard time for the area as a whole and I hope that fans are managed to find some kind of solace in the fortunes of their football team because um, yeah, they're a massively exciting team. A tough game against PSG but you don't know if playing no football is a good thing or a bad thing. We don't know if they'll be fresh, we don't know if they'll be completely um, lacking match fitness and really, really off the pace. So it's, it's so hard to know. Um, I'll see Atalanta will get through that one. And in terms of RB Leipzig, Atletico, which is another real contrast to styles, I reckon Atletico have the know-how to get through that one. And uh, yeah, it's kind of it's a shame to see Atletico as the bad guys in this one because they're usually kind of my my wee underdog favourites. But I reckon they might break my heart and be in a Champions League final. Yeah, well, I think. I think that Atletico do it. Obviously, Leeds are without Timo Werner, not played in a little while. Yeah, of course, Atletico of course. Playing a little bit longer. Um, they'll have their full squad and what. Simeon's used to this, uh, unlike Nagelsmann. So, yeah, and I, I'm with you with Atalanta PSG. I do think PSG, even without the match fitness, may be good, but I would love to see Atalanta make a Champions League semi final. That would just be amazing. Possibly a final. You know, their, their football is just. Unbelievable. We said it in the last podcast, I said it to you that. 
I keep checking their fixtures and you just think it's going to be 1-0 because every other game's been quite boring really but they are still just an outstanding team to watch no matter what. Um, moving to the other side of the draw it's a little bit more complicated because these guys are still technically in the round of 16. Yeah. Um, Real Madrid or Man City will face Leon or Juventus. Man City lead Madrid, Leon lead Juventus. While Napoli or Barcelona will take on Chelsea or Bayern Munich. Um, I believe Napoli Barcelona is currently a draw, and Bayern Munich are three 0 up against Chelsea. So maybe the first tie will go through first. What do you think of Real Madrid City versus Leon Juventus? Um, it's quite good to imagine sort of those two teams combining to you know, just to make a. <laughs> like a, like a, a tag team match yeah um, yeah be brilliant but uh, Leon are in the same boat as PSG in the sense that they've not played football since March uh, Juventus have been pretty good since the restart um, they're going to wrap up another Serie A title and the fact that it's only a 1-0 deficit and the fact that it's in Turin this uh, second leg still to be played I reckon they'll make it through that one uh, Real Madrid City Again, Real Madrid have been so good since the restart, and City have been quite good, but not um, outstanding. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I can see City getting through that one, and City UV, uh, Guardiola versus Sarri again. Uh, it's tough to know. I think City will be really determined to prove a point this year. I think they can kind of see a path in which they could win their first uh, European Cup Champions League. And I think it will take a really strong performance from whoever they come up against to stop them. Yeah, yeah, good point there. Um, obviously, before we move on, we'll quickly talk about Madrid. They, like Atalanta, have kind of had big stories this week. Um, they look almost certain to wrap up the La Liga title against Villarreal this week, don't they? Yeah, the club's already put out their statement asking fans to not go and celebrate if they do. Uh, if they are to win the league in the usual sort of uh, celebrity spots around Madrid yeah two games to go four points clear it's very hard to see it's hard to see Barcelona winning both those games to be honest rather than uh, Real Madrid dropping the points they're not the easiest of fixtures they've still got to play uh, Villarreal and then uh, the lesser known Madrid derby against Leganes so it's not nailed on but it's hard to see past Madrid racking up another La Liga title and they really deserve it. I think Ferland Mendy became Real Madrid's 22nd, is it? A different scorer in the league this year, which is by far mm-hmm. the highest in Europe. So we've said that Karim Benzema has uh, very much been the focal point for Real Madrid this year and rightfully so because he's been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows the depth that Madrid have, the fact that so many different players can... Uh, knock up a goal for them absolutely to be honest Karen Benzwick could have the worst season of his life but that back heel assist would have made it for me Um, (laughs) never going to forget that one Um, the other team you've mentioned there Barcelona obviously they've kind of faltered a little bit they've not looked too impressive they take on Napoli Um, like I said before they are drawn currently I believe and the the winner of that will take on more than likely Bayern Munich who are leading Chelsea 3-0 from the first leg and look just incredible. Also, we watched a lot of Bundesliga football between us and they never looked out of place once, won the German Cup, wrapped up their eighth consecutive title. So what are you thinking here? A lot of people haven't nailed on for Barcelona, Bayern, but are you thinking any different? Um, not in terms of Bayern. I don't think 
there's enemy back for Chelsea, even despite Bayern have a little having a little layoff because um, we saw how good they are and um, they absolutely dominated Chelsea in that first leg at Stamford Bridge and it was kind of the coming out party really in a European stage for Alfonso Davies. Uh, I think I'll be remembered for that. On the other side, I, I don't know, this Barcelona team just really failed to inspire me, which is so odd. Um, especially considering the promise of Kiki Setting coming in and really establishing this fast-paced attacking football. I remember saying before that I don't think Antoine Griezmann was the right fit at the right time for Barcelona. I was reading that it was um, they were deciding between Marcus Rashford and Griezmann, and that just seems crazy to me. Yeah. That um, I know Rashford wasn't in the best form of his life maybe a year or so ago, but the prospect that he could be on that left-hand side rather than Griezmann, player out of position, approaching his 30s, it's, he's a fantastic player and he would very much fit Barcelona's style if he was able to have that central spot, but that's going to be occupied by Messi or Suarez. So, yeah, right man, wrong time sort of thing there. Napoli, I've had a pretty decent restart. They won the Coppa Italia, of course, um, against Juventus on penalties. And they're sitting in sick just now, so it's a pretty solid season. Um, I wouldn't be as confident in Barcelona as you would expect on paper, but uh, I think they are still the favourites. Yeah, uh, as I say one quick thing, Barcelona, I saw the other day on Twitter, it was like a, a list of attacking trios in Europe, who's got the best goals. So it had Salah, Firmino, Mane, um, it had Atalanta's trio, it had trios for I don't know, it was like Arsenal, Chelsea, whatever. Barcelona's trio was Messi, Suarez and Ansu Fati, not Griezmann. Yeah. That, they three had a better... Like Ansu Fati's done more than Griezmann really this season. He's, he's what, he's 17, 18 years old. And yeah, this £100 million signing or whatever, Griezmann, all this talk about him joining, is, it's just a real waste of talent. And uh, to be honest, I kind of want him to go try another league maybe. It'd be interesting to see him, I don't know, Premier League or Serie A or something because he's just kind of wasted there um, but I agree with you there I think Napoli Barcelona will be a tough tie but Bayern are probably my favourites to win the whole tournament outright um, IMO so we'll move on to the Europa League um, where we'll just quickly discuss the three British teams remaining in the competition so let's quickly go through their chances Rangers trail Bayern Leverkusen 3-1 from the first leg of their round of 16 matchup if they can overturn that deficit Inter or Getafe away any thoughts on that Sean? Yes. Yeah, Kind of encouraging Rangers to not even bother winning their game, uh, <laughs> I think. Or, yeah, uh, I don't see a way through for Rangers. They've also not played a lot of, uh, or any football really since March. I know they've got some pre-season friendly games in France coming up. Uh, so yeah, even in a normal circumstance, I don't think Rangers were going to get overturn that deficit. I don't think they will now. Uh, so Bayer, Bayer Leverkusen against uh, one of those teams will be really interesting um, I'd love it to be um, Conte's Inter Milan I think that would be great to see sort of um, Havertz and Eriksen and Lautaro Martinez and Kevin Volland I think uh, that would be a really interesting matchup. but yeah as much as I like to say that we'll see a, a Scottish team progress in Europe and it's good that they've lasted till uh, July, it will be August at the time, they're still in Europe in August, well done. Um, I'm sure a lot of Rangers fans will go on about that one, but um, yeah, I think it's the end of the line for a fantastic European campaign for Steven Gerrard's men. Yeah, I think even when, before I was kicked off, we were talking about it, 
happening months ago when this game was meant to take place and we were both kind of sceptical that it could turn that around so I'm with you there um, next is Wolves flying high in the league they'll face Olympiacos after a 1-1 draw in the first leg if they win they will take on Sevilla or Roma is that too big an ask of Nuno Espirito Santo's men? No, I don't think so um, they've done the double over Manchester City this year who are arguably on their day the best side in Europe so I don't think there's much beyond this Wolves side. Um, Roma are fifth in Serie A, so they won't um, they won't be able to break into the top four. It'll be too too big an ask for for them. Um, but they're a very good side. Sevilla were definitely in the race for top four. I believe they're still in um, the Champions League spots. It'll definitely a tough game for Wolves, but I wouldn't say beyond them. And it would be great to see them test themselves against these very established and decorated and celebrated European sides. Yeah, it's brilliant to see them sort of lesser teams on the European stage sort of going so far and taking on these big guns. Um, the complete opposite of that, Manchester United. They have a huge 5 0 league over Austrian side Lask Linz. Um, they can pretty much just field a rotated team, as far as I'm concerned. Probably what they did in the first leg anyway. Um, again, they have such a favourable draw in the quarter final. They'll have Copenhagen or Istanbul Basaksa here. Maybe Istanbul are better than people think, but surely. Man United will dispatch both of them. A Europa League win would make some top seeds for the Champions League group stage next season. Um, do you think they'll take this very seriously? They'll want to win this above all else? Yeah, usually you've got to um, juggle uh, European commitments and domestic commitments, but obviously this uh, everything that's going on in the world has uh, given birth to this very weird scenario where the domestic season will be finished and your sole focus can be to win a European trophy, which is a massively um, lucrative proposition. So I think there will be that focus for Manchester United. It probably won't be a necessity for them qualifying for Europe. You imagine, like I said, that they'll probably end up in the top four anyway. Uh, But yeah, United should be challenging for trophies all the time. I think that... um, I can imagine Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now saying that it should be the Champions League because that's where this club should be. Um, memories of 99, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, a trophy for Manchester United is always an important thing and having a clean run at it without any other distractions uh, is a very exciting prospect for them. Absolutely. Well, my first time hosting is coming to an end, but we have one last section that we always do. Um Game of the week. Would you like to go first, Sean, or should I? Well, do you know what's actually quite bad? Um, because you asked me who Leicester had, um, I really should have done this because my game of the week is Leicester City, Sheffield United. Um, So's mine. Is it really? <laughs> well, yes. get thinking, pal. Um, because <laughs> I'll do some more fun about this while you have a wee thing. Yep. Uh, there are the two stories of the season uh, in a lot of ways because nobody expected, I think people thought, Rodgers would improve Leicester I think he th- they thought um, it was a pretty solid appointment but I don't think they thought they would be in the Champions League spots for the majority of the season and they're still there they haven't dropped out after United's draw with Southampton uh, the other night and like I said Chris Wilder what a story at Sheffield United it's exciting football it's different football and it's a must win for Leicester and if Sheffield United want any chance of sort of uh, picking up those scraps left behind by these sides above them then they'll be looking for a win as well so um, a very exciting game to keep your eye on on Wednesday evening I believe Absolutely, well 
I think I've got my game. I've got was two that here. That was that long enough waffle? That was long enough. I just haven't decided I could, which I could, one. I could sing the Sander Berg song if you want to fill some more. Oh, that's, that just has to happen. Go for it. Go uh, for it right now. Oh, I can't, I can't remember the word. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, I was thinking maybe um, a championship game, but I will go a little bit more highbrow. I will go with the <laughs> FA Cup. Um, Semi final on Sunday. Which one? Man Manchester United Chelsea. I yeah. think that's the that's the. I think I'll actually. Oh no no! It's, it's after my work. I will be able to watch it. That's brilliant. Um, that's just amazing. I never get to see games on Sunday. Um, yeah, huge game, isn't it? I, I'd say another trophy. Um, Frank Lampard, one opportunity for him to win a trophy. Um, absolutely massive, because uh, they did lose the Super Cup to Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken. Earlier on, that would have been his first silverware. Um, in fact, no, did they win the Europa League last year? Is that how they win that? Um, it was Sarri, though, wasn't it? It was Sarri. Was that yeah, Sarri? Yeah. That was Sarri, yeah. So it's still, Fran Lampard's first season, a real chance to win something. And also, as we've, as you've literally just said about Solskjaer, he'll be wanting any silverware possible, and he'll be, same with the FA Cup, he'll be going, this should be the league. You know, it's exactly the exact same as the Europa Champions League debate. Yeah. And, um, um, he'll be eyeing bigger, better things, you know. Lampard and Solskjaer are sort of... Uh, pitted against each other because they're two very revered players at their clubs now managing those clubs yeah. um, that they are legends of and Solskjaer is very much at the, the upper hand there was that 4-0 defeat or 4-1 yeah, on yeah, the open, open day, day. Of, the se- open day <laughs> of the season and um, it was the same result at Stamford Bridge in terms of a United victory and also the League Cup that fantastic Marcus Rashford free kick oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so that's three defeats now in this season so the fourth time the sides meet this year and uh, I don't think Lampard would enjoy getting beat for the fourth time not just by Manchester United but also by someone who's very much viewed as his contemporary in terms of modern day management yeah, definitely. It could be a real mental block for Lampard and for Chelsea. Those two teams are the two teams we see maybe, maybe not challenging next season, but getting closer to Liverpool and Man City. So if Chelsea can't beat United, how are they going to beat the top two, you know, on a consistent basis in the league, other competitions? So, yeah, good point there. Um, well, two great games. Um, probably the best pick you've ever had. It was my pick. Um, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, as always, you can follow us at Energy Extra Time on Twitter. Um, you can follow us. I'm at Cameron Monstall. And what's your username again, Sean? At Sean Miguel 8 That's the one. Um, so thanks for joining us. Would you like to say goodbye, Sean? Goodbye. And also, um, oh. over the next couple of weeks, we are hoping to be doing a series of season preview podcasts on energy sport with an expert, either um, a journalist or a podcaster who covers each of the 12 Premiership clubs so keep your eye on energysport.net at energysport on Twitter and follow the Energy Sport podcast feed on Apple, hoping to get that set up on Spotify as well because if you're a fan of any of the 12 Premiership clubs unlike Cameron Wonstall, there'll be something mm-hmm. for you in the next couple of weeks, we very much we will. We will get hearts on set up, we will do a special okay? In October when your season starts <laughs> That's fine by me, that's fine I just don't want to be left out <laughs> you, you, you mark your calendar for that then I will do that. I will do that. Right, well, that is it from us. Um, Goodbye. See ya.